all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy, where the doctor is always in. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for joining us this morning. We're going to be talking about the health issues that affect you most. That's right. You have reached the show. We've got a whole hour to address your health concerns. So please give us a call today. We would love to hear from you. Share your comments and questions with us this morning by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy from MPB Think Radio. is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show remedy at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Good morning and welcome to Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. We're going to be taking your calls during the hour concerning any issues or topics that you need answered. So anything, it doesn't have to be something that we've already talked about. It could be something that is bothering you. Maybe it's something that you just need to answer for if it's a symptom or if you've been diagnosed with something and just want to know, hey, is this uh, is what they're telling me? Is it is it the right thing to do? You can give us a call this morning at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. If you can't call us today, you can always email us. Not just while we're on the air, but anytime. You can send that to remedy at mpbonline.org. Well, you heard the weather earlier. It's a hot one today. Barry has blown through most of the state. I know a lot of areas are still getting some residual of all that water. Uh, Man, the Delta is just getting hammered this year. It's just uh, incredible when you look at the damage that they've had done, both to property and to farmland. And it's just a sad, sad thing. Um, But uh, hopefully we'll get some uh, drier weather to sort of dry that out. Uh, Certainly not good for the agricultural business, though both private and uh, and uh, corporate, but uh, that's, a, that's a bad thing. But if you're out today, please be careful. I know there was another, um, uh, there was an earlier question on one of our earlier shows about how do you hydrate effectively 
And uh, the the answer to that is it is tough. It is tough to do that, particularly with the higher temperatures that we have during the summertime and the combination of our great southern humidity, right? So you walk right outside and immediately you start to sweat and that sweat just hangs on you. It's like you've jumped into a pool and you can't really do anything about all that water. And because of that, we have a heat index. So the heat index, once it gets over about 100, it is very, very difficult for the body to cool itself uh, through its normal means. And hydration is very important. Prehydration is probably the most important thing you can do if you're going to be outside. So having plenty of access to water, you don't need to prehydrate with really anything else. Uh, certainly things like Powerade, Gatorade, that's not really recommended as a prehydration drink. That's not the way your kidneys handle electrolytes and fluid status. Uh, but once you're out there, if it's going to be an activity where you're out there for about 45 minutes or less, you really don't need anything besides water. So um, that's, you know, no matter what your activity, but if it's longer than that, if you're going to be doing something like an extended tennis match, if you're going to be, you know, even walking for extended periods of time much beyond that, you probably do need to switch over to uh, something that has some electrolytes, particularly sodium in it and potassium. Uh, those are pre-formulated, you know, Powerade, Gatorade don't have any stock, and either one of those or some other ones out there that may or may not taste better. A lot of people just have preferences, uh, you know, that at a lot of these long-distance events. I know in a lot of the marathons and half marathons I've done, uh, you know, that usually there'll be one product that's out there for that. But somebody called in about a question about the temperature of water. Does that make a difference? So, if you are hot and you're, you know, you're overheated, you've been out there for, say, 20 or 30 minutes and you really need to drink something, does it matter about the temperature of the water? And there's an old wives' tale out there that if you drink cold water, it can send your body into shock. And that's really not true, even down to, you know, to the to, uh, temperature right around the freezing. Uh, and actually, it can, it can help cool your body down. Uh, now, if you, uh, you know, even if you plunged yourself into water, one of the ways we uh, deal with hyperthermia, that's a temperature of the body that is much, much elevated and it needs to come down. Certainly once you get hyperthermic with a, um, with a temperature, a core body temperature over about 104, uh, you start to break down proteins. You start to have problems with, uh, with the function of normal, of all kinds of different things in the body. So if you came into the ER and that's what was going on, then we would cool you down pretty quick. And we do that uh, uh, through a number of ways. Cooling blankets is one. Water immersion is another one. And we do it with really cold water. So that's, that's a, a, the quicker you can get that core body temperature down, the better. So it really doesn't matter about water temperature. That's not going to shock your system. It will help out if the temperature of that water that you're drinking is cooler, uh, just because of that transfer of heat uh, to uh, the sort of offload from the inside. So that's, that's something that one of those old wives tales is out there. It's not, uh, and I don't know who, if it's 95 degrees outside, I don't want to be drinking some water that's about 80 degrees. Give me some cold water. And if you can throw some ice in there with it, oh, that's nothing better than that. This is Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy with you this morning. And uh, lots of opportunities for you to call in with any questions that you might have about your health or the health of somebody near and dear to you. You can reach us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're going to go to Earl right now from Memphis, Tennessee. Good morning, Earl. Good morning, Doctor. Thanks for calling. I have a 
I have a problem. Um, uh, about a year ago, I, I'm 84 years old, but I'm in good health. In fact, I've been uh, a police officer for up until even right now, but I'm going to have to resign. Cause I've gotten about a year ago, I started getting curved over my back, mm-hmm. and I couldn't, I, unable to stand straight. To, to stand up straight is just forceful. I went to an orthopedic. I broke my toe. I fell down, broke my toe, and, and that. And I told them about it, and it's kind of just well, maybe you need a back brace. And they gave me this back brace, and when they gave it to me, they just handed it to me like never fit it near nothing. But anyway, I'm getting worse now. I mean, I'm getting where I can't hardly function because I can't. I'm all right. When I get up in the morning, I'm fine for about an hour, and then all of a sudden, I start being pulled over, mm-hmm. and then I can't stand up straight, and I've got pain in my lower lumbar area. I went to a chiropractor. They said, well, I went six visits. That was worthless, you know. And uh, uh, I went to therapy for about eight. They, they, what they did, they put me on exercise machine, which I used to belong to the gym, still belong to the gym. And then, but I don't know what to do. I can't, I can't seem, I told my primary care physician about it, and it seems like none of it's taken seriously. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I don't know. And, and it's really affecting, it's starting to get me mentally depressed because I've been an active guy all my life and uh, I've always taken care of myself and I'm getting where I can't do any things, those things I need to do. Sure. So I don't know what to do. How do I convince a doctor that there's something wrong? You, you keep uh, complaining about it. That's the biggest thing. So, I, and that's what I was going to say. I think you need a second opinion if it's been going on that, that long as you sort of walked us through the things that, that had been prescribed for you and um, and the other people that you've been to is sort of my normal progression if somebody came to me with similar symptoms. Physical therapy uh, is, is extremely important. You can do a back brace, and a back brace just takes the pressure off that part of the – it does two things. takes the pressure. It sort of redistributes the pressure uh, along the spine a little bit differently. It has to be fitted correctly. You know, when you said they just sort of gave it to you, it really that should have been fitted by a physical therapist or somebody in the yeah. orthopedic surgeon's office. Because uh, if you put it on incorrectly, it's not going to work right. It may even yeah. do some more damage. I think the best – I think the uh, it was too small for me either uh-huh. because I could not – at the time, I was still working. And when I when I go on duty, I put my ballistic vest on. I couldn't get it on over the top of it yeah. or even underneath it. But it was so small, I couldn't get it tight enough. And recently, about three weeks ago, I just took it on my own. And I went and bought me a, a brace. Yeah. And it seemed to help for a couple of days. Uh, but it, uh, I'm right back where I was. You know, it's it just, it just, it's just very uncomfortable. And, uh, and I don't have a back injury. I mean, yeah. I had, I had Did, back surgery in 1968. Okay. For, uh, uh, you know, a ruptured disc. I fell off of a, of a curb like, and, but I've been fine ever since they operated on it, and I was never pro- uh, had a problem again with it until now. This slowly being pushed over, and I don't know. You think maybe I need to go to the gym and just start exercise again on a real heavy exercise routine? I really think that that wouldn't hurt, and it might actually help. But in in one of the things in combination with a brace that sometimes helps, uh, you know, when you when you use the brace, one thing a negative effect that you have to sort of counter a little bit is those muscles that normally support the spine, 
they, you know, if they're not being used, they just take a rest, which may be a good thing. That's probably why you got some relief. I'm, I'm guessing was because you had some inflammation in those muscles around your spine, those paraspinous muscles and others that help support the spine. But you do need something specifically that can, you know, work on those muscles. And just doing your daily stuff probably is not going to get it. And as you get older, you, that's an important thing to do. I mean, uh, you know, it sounds like you've been incredibly active your life. That's great. But to continue doing that, if you've had an injury where it's changed, particularly your posture, what's happening now is that spine is being loaded differently than it's designed to. And even if you've had some small changes to the bone structure there, a lot of times a really good physical therapy uh, routine uh, or even a trainer can maybe can come up with that if they have that experience. A lot of gyms will have physical therapists that sort of moonlight on the side as trainers, and they can design something for you to help with that. Um, yeah. But I, I think that's going to be your your best bet. Now, Earl, I was going to ask too. Have they? I know you said there's no injury, but have they actually X-rayed your back at this point? No. Okay. I honestly, with as many things as you've gone through, I think it may be time for just a, some plain X-rays. Because you can have some compression fractures that aren't related to any kind of injury, and that would cause the spine to to bend, and that sort of changes the game a little bit. You really have to you yeah. know think about yeah. some different things. I would press your doctor or somebody else. You know, if if you've reached the end of your rope with them, and you sort of feel like you're getting dismissed, go see somebody else that that is in particular. If you see an orthopedic surgeon, somebody who really specializes in the back itself. You, you think I ought to just go to another orthopedic surgeon, try to make me an appointment, and go and see another one? Yep, I would. I would. Yeah. And I, you know, but everybody thinks <clears throat> it's the muscles because. Uh, I, I can feel the fatigue in the muscles when I try to stand up. Sure. If I yeah. bend my back, back, I can feel those muscles pulling, you know. Right. But I took, I was prescribed muscle relaxers, uh-huh. but that didn't help at all. Yeah. You know, that, I, I, I was just like drinking a glass of water. I mean, as you've, you know, you've sort of reached the end of what the normal stepwise process is in something like this. So I think, yeah, I think going to see somebody, um, that, you know, has the expertise and maybe a second opinion, you, you're probably there at this point. Earl, thank you for okay. your, thank, right. thank you for that question. Hey, thank you for your service too, uh, with our law enforcement, not enough, uh, not enough. Thanks goes out to you guys. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. Thank you. This is Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, plenty of time for your questions and comments. You can give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. We'll be right back after this. MPB Think Radio podcast.
This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB Ring. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. Took a little break there. Back to the program where you can call in with any kind of health question that you might have about yourself or somebody else around you. You can reach us this morning at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Well, the eye is the window to the soul. That's right. Uh, that's one of those old sayings, and it's uh, it's true. Uh, you know, from a medical standpoint, a lot of the things that we do in an exam. Um, eye findings can really be indicative of other um, things that are going on in the body systemically. For instance, if you have diabetes, there's a lot of different ways that diabetes can affect the eye. And if we find some of those in the eye, there's a correlation to some of those findings about what's going on in your kidneys, which are extremely important. And that's one of the the risk that we always screen for is any kind of kidney damage through various tests if you have diabetes. But you can actually see some of that, not necessarily see the kidney, but you can see what's happening in the kidney if you find it in the eye. Um, but there's lots of different things that happen in the eyes. A good, good friend of mine right now who's having some problems uh, with her eyes. Uh, lots of common things that happen that people are like, well, what do I do for that? One is a sty. So a sty in the eye is a, it's pretty common. I, you know, a lot of people have those. A lot of people have recurrent ones. Uh, the fancy name for that is hordeolum uh, is the name of it. I never can pronounce that the right way, but that's, we'll just call it a sty. So your, your eyes have different glands that help lubricate the surface of the eye so that your eyelids produce these, these substances. And it's sort of a watery or oily mixture. Uh, these are the things that, you know, our tears that, that are produced to help, um, to help lubricate the surface of the eye so that it doesn't dry out and our vision is retained. Sometimes those little glands that produce that, though, can get stopped up or they can get an infection. So a sty happens when one of the glands in the eye, there's meibomian glands and glands of maul, all these different little things that help uh, lubricate the eyelashes too. So if one of those little glands that produces that fluid and that lubricant gets stopped up and it gets an infection inside and the most likely uh, offender, bacterial offender is staphylococcus because we have it all over our face. Um, Then you can get a little bump that comes up on the eyelid, either on the tip of the eyelid or in the eyelid itself, depending on which of those glands is affected. And most of the time you can treat this with a warm compress. So you just take a towel and you uh, use some warmer water to, uh, you know, just from the faucet. Uh, Certainly not anything, you know, hot enough that'll burn your face. But then you apply that to that area and it helps sort of mobilize that infection. Antibiotics, plus or minus, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. You'll need, of course, a doctor to, to, uh, to do that. But you can just try, first of all, just applying that warm compress several times a day. Really can't overdo that too much. Some of the other causes, sometimes eye makeup, particularly if it's contaminated with staph, um, that might uh, be plugging those little uh, glands. Um, but other things can do that too. Sometimes skin conditions, if you have uh, things like seborrheic dermatitis or rosacea, those can be risk factors. Now, if that hordolion gets, um, gets 
uh, if it's a chronic thing. So if it comes and goes, comes and goes, sometimes you can get what's called a granuloma. So that's more of uh, a chronic inflammation in those ducts. And that's a little bit harder to deal with. Once you get to that point, you really uh, start to go into the realm of the ophthalmologist where they they may need to go in and prescribe you something or sometimes do minor surgical procedures in the office to try to uh, resolve those uh, those chronic inflammatory changes in the eyelid. It can hurt. It can be painful. Certainly, you know, we look, if you, if you think about anything, it, it's really the way we interact with people, uh, looking at their eyes is one of the first things that we do, right? So that's certainly from a socialization standpoint, that's a big deal. So those are two common things that you can have uh, in the eye. Certainly lots of other things are around the eye. If we have time in between calls, we might touch on those today. Uh, But first, we're going to go to Larry. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. Thanks for calling. Yes, sir. Um, I'm I'm from Louisiana. And many, many years back home, there was a man I worked with. And what happened was he was doing some activity outdoor, and he got overheated. <clears throat> so to cool down, he was overheated. Right away, he jumped into a swimming pool, mm-hmm. and he died. So I'm wondering if somebody's body goes to temperature extreme suddenly like that, can that cause cardiac arrest? It can if you have underlying conditions. Now, in your normal individual, the normal response from going to heat to cold like that, particularly if it's a total immersion, is for the heart rate to drop briefly. Uh, That's usually less than 15 seconds, and it comes right back up. But in individuals who already have heart disease, even if they didn't know it, or if they have an arrhythmia, that's just a... a, um, a problem in the electrical system of the heart, it can cause problems like that. Uh, another thing that might have unfortunately happened is is there was enough, uh, you know, enough damage from the heat uh, that once he jumped into the water that that might have, you know, it might have been sort of coincided with that. Uh, I wouldn't recommend immersion just because, you know, I certainly – what you can do is you can actually soak a towel in cool water and then apply the towel and then redo it. You know, once that towel gets gets uh, um, uh, warmer, uh, but that yeah. that gives you evaporative heat. And actually, I used to do that. I used to work years ago when I was younger uh, in high school. Uh, I used to work on a golf course uh, cutting grass all day in in Mississippi. You know, and it's uh, it can get pretty hot. So I would just take a regular towel and soak it down with water. Uh, wring it out a good bit, and uh, that water that's left in there, I would just you know put it over the back of my neck, and that would help keep me cool while I was out there in the hot sun on that uh, on that metal mower uh, to to uh, you know cool me off. Certainly, there's got they've got a lot of different things now that that do that a little bit better. There's a lot of uh, materials that they use for that. It's, but Larry, it's impossible to to totally say that's what did it. But um, yeah, you want to be careful, and I wouldn't do it. If was it over his head? Uh, he 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 just jumped in uh, in the from what I heard he jumped in the swimming pool. Yeah. So I mean I don't know if he uh, he from a I don't know if he like dove head in head first or yeah. he jumped off into his feet. I'm not sure how he went to the pool. Yeah, and that's and that's that's a little dangerous too. But if you can just get you know even like spraying you know if you look at uh, different ways that people cool off now they they have these evaporative fans that have the the water in it so water does help but I probably wouldn't get in a situation where it was going to be over my head um, just because of those acute changes and certainly if you've got a cardiac condition 
or some other kind of you know thing. If you know about that, then then you don't want to do that. But it, I, I would not avoid other things like that, like the wet towel or just even pouring cold water over somebody. I think you've got a better chance of, of cooling down with that than just jumping in the water like that. Okay. And then another concern I have is like after these ball games. Yeah. Like say like with Alabama, they win the championship and they'd run up behind Nick Saban and throw that bucket of water on him. You know. Yeah. He may or may not. Have, he may have a heart con- a heart issue, not even know it, and it could cause yeah. him a cardiac arrest. Look, if I was Nick Saban, uh, I guarantee you, I'd have enough stress to cause me to have a heart condition. So I've thought about that as a physician many times. So again, if you have an underlying problem, then yeah, it could be. And you know, and. You think about several years ago, we had the ice bucket challenge, right? So we had people right. that were dumping that over them. It will, it will not feel too good when you have it done to you, and if you're not prepared for it. But again, if you, if you, if your heart's working fine, uh, you probably don't. They're not going to have a problem with that. Um, and certainly, there's tons of people that have that that do that all the time. Some people do this, particularly in uh, you know northern countries, Scandinavia, even in Alaska, they'll do polar bearing. Have you ever heard of that? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's, you know, it's supposedly it's good for your health, and there's some small studies that looked at that. But, again, if you have any kind of underlying medical condition that would prevent you from doing that, heart-related is probably the biggest one, or other neurologic conditions. You don't need to be jumping into freezing cold water, but a lot of people do it around the world, uh, you know, for and, and say, hey, this is healthy for you to do this. Not me, Larry. I live in the South for a reason. And I like some cool water, but I ain't jumping into the ice water. And you know, I, I've definitely done that. That's not a that's not a regular habit of mine. Let's put it that way. Okay. Yeah, because I I was concerned about that. You know, but it happened to coach because you know somebody may have a heart condition and know it, or they may have an issue with their heart and not know it. Yeah. Yeah. And then the people that dump this water, they don't know what that person's health issues are. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Got to be careful. Okay. All right, Larry. Oh, you too. You're just superb. I love your show. Oh, thank you, Larry. Too kind. So have a good day. This is Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy here with you this morning. You can reach us uh, live with your question or comment by calling 1 877 MPB Ring. That's 1 877 672 7464. Or if you'd like to send us an email, you can send it to remedy at mpbonline.org. We were talking about eye findings earlier. One of the other things that can sometimes present uh, as an abnormal finding um, is in high cholesterol states. So we mentioned that the eye can sometimes tell you about what's going on with the rest of the body. If your cholesterol gets really, really high, you start to deposit it underneath the skin in different areas. These are called xanthelasmas. That's with an X, uh, xanthelasma. So, um, and really, we're not talking about the, just a little bit of high cholesterol. We're talking up into the hundreds, sometimes even into the thousands of uh, either triglycerides or LDL. So it's, it's those rare genetic conditions that cause that. You can even have them in kids. I remember one of our uh, patients that we saw in clinic uh, for elevated cholesterol had a strong family history of this. Uh, she was referred to our clinic um, at age four. Um, with xanthelasma. So what this looks like is these are waxy. It almost looks like somebody has uh, sort of sort of waxyish yellow orange uh, lesions on the in usually on the medial side of the eyes, and that's toward the nose. So it's it's not on the eye itself. It's usually right around the eye, 
um, uh, close to the nose on both sides. Uh, those can can mean that uh, sometimes that's what it, the way it presents because you really don't know when your cholesterol is high, particularly if you're younger. Um, but that is one of the ways that you can tell if somebody has uh, an elevated cholesterol, particularly that LDL. You know, that's the you know there's different types of cholesterol. You've got a, usually a total cholesterol number, HDL. That's the healthy uh, number. HDL. The higher it is, the better. The LDL is the bad one. I remember that is lousy, okay? So L for lousy, H for healthy. The higher the, the lousy one is, the LDL, the worse it is. So, again, these are very, very high, um, um, usually very, very high cholesterol levels. Uh, another common one, particularly in young kids that we see a lot, is something that's caused by a, a virus, uh, and this is called molluscum or molluscum contagiosum. So molluscum causes a little raised papule. A papule is just something that's, uh, macules are flat. Usually you can't feel those. A papule is something that's raised up off the skin. And this is usually very small. It's caused, caused by a pox virus. Um, and that's nothing, to, it's not like smallpox. It's totally different virus, but it's in the same family. And they're benign. Most of the time, kids who have this, they'll get over it uh, in a few weeks to months. Uh, sometimes it can last up to 6 to 12 months, but it'll go away on its own. Um, you can have some itching or irritation around these, so particularly around the eyes, sometimes that's a problem. Uh, but there's not really much to do about it. If it is causing a lot of inflammatory changes and, and itching, you can, number one, confirm that's what it is, and you can go to a dermatologist, and they can take those off. You know, certainly with kids getting most of the problems, you don't want to traumatize them if it's going to go away on its own. But sometimes they can take those off either by freezing them or doing a little bit of a scrape or inject those. And, uh, again, it's not something you have to do. Most of the time it's fine. These are caused by just, uh, you know, uh, contact, close contact with other individuals to have molluscum contagiosum. Most of the time it's not frowned around the eyes, but you can see it there. This is Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy with you this morning. You can reach us this morning at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 We're going to take a short break. When we come back, more time for your calls and more eye findings. an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show remedy at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. This is Dr. Jimmy with you this morning. We're talking about all kinds of good stuff. Got plenty of time for your questions. Doesn't have to be about eye findings or the heat, uh, but 
I'm sure somebody's got some kind of question out there. Maybe it's a medication. Maybe it's an over-the-counter drug that you don't have to have a prescription. Whatever it is, you can reach us this morning by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. We're always um, looking for our email. uh, um, uh, Sometimes it's uh, maybe it's a little bit longer question or it doesn't quite fit uh, for a question that you would want to call in or you're just terrified to call in. We are still here for you, for our listeners that uh, don't like to do that, but you want to ask a question anyway, you can reach us by email by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. So the common eye thing, so red eye or stink eye, you know, pink eye, uh, is one of those things that's very common. So uh, most of the time when we, we talk about pink eye, that's an actual inflammation, and it can be a superficial infection of the, the lining on the front of the eyeball. Um, so that that's thin layer of it. Actually, there's a thin layer of skin that covers that. So an epithelial layer called the conjunctiva. So um, you can uh, you can have an infection of that in one or both eyes. And there's two big broad categories of what causes that, um, as we do for most infections. One is viral and one is bacterial. There may be some some rare cases where we have a fungal infection there too. But those are the two biggest categories. Most of those are caused by viruses. Uh, Adenoviruses are common. Enteroviruses may also cause that. Uh, But that is usually self-limiting. It looks terrible. Uh, Kevin Farrell and I were just talking about at the Olympics when uh, Bob Costas, I think, had had a pink eye when he was broadcasting. And, you know, half the people looking at it were going, I don't like to look at that. So uh, it can be very painful. It can burn. Uh, Certainly the light can affect it sometimes, too. Again, most of those are self-limiting, but it is highly contagious. So if it's caused particularly by a virus, a lot of people can get it. So if you have a young child going to school, daycare, those kinds of things in the healthcare industry, you can't go to work while it still looks like that. And people ask all the time, how long do we stay out of work? Well, until the eye looks better. Um, Now, bacterial infections are not quite as common. And they can look a little bit different or they can look the same. A lot of times physicians will treat empirically with antibiotic eye drops, whether it's because because it's hard sometimes to discern whether it's a viral infection versus a bacterial bacterial infection. Uh, but the back the the drops really won't help much for um, for viral infections. So keep that in mind. Uh, it can be uh, you know it's it's um, uh, you can catch particularly the viral part. Sometimes it depends on the virus, but a lot of times if somebody sneezes in your direction or if they're wiping their nose, just because all that's really connected. The eye, think about tears draining down in the nose. If you got that infection, it's going to be in your nasal passages too. And if whatever you touch and somebody else touches and then wipes their eye uh, or nose or mouth, that's, uh, that puts you at risk for, for catching that. So pink eye, uh, stay away from people who have pink eye. Let's go to John. Good morning, John. Hello. Yes, you're on the air. Thanks for calling. Yes, sir. Uh, well, I heard y'all was talking about cholesterol early, and uh, yeah, I'm earlier, and I had a my own story. I'd like to see and get your input on it. Sure. And, uh, well, a few months ago, my wife <laughs> got one of them iPhones, and she just started taking pictures. You know, a lot. She just would, you know, within the first week, she had at least a thousand pictures on the. On, on the phone. I, I've and, got uh, some family members that do that too, John. Like it's like every five seconds snapping that picture. 
Yeah, I mean, and then, you know, the thing is, she has to go back and delete all the ones she took. Yep. So she can take more, and I, I tell her it don't make no sense. But I'm telling you, ever since she got that that iPhone and been snapping pictures everywhere, I just started, I didn't feel too good. It made me have a change in my in my body. I could feel it. And I went to the doctor, and they said my cholesterol was high. And, you know, I'd always had good cholesterol. It had never been high before. And so... I told her, uh, you're going to have to stop taking all them pictures. <laughs> so but, she... And then I, I stopped I stopped eating fruits and vegetables, and I started eating that cereal uh-huh. that uh, is supposed to be good for your cholesterol, that uh, honey, honey Cheerios. Uh-huh, Honey Nut Cheerios, yep. Yeah, and uh, she stopped taking them pictures, and... I stopped eating fruits and veggies every day because I we have a garden and I eat a lot of those and and uh, and then you know I stopped spanking my son so much because you know he's always doing something getting me mad and you know I went back to the doctor last week and they said it was all good. Yeah, it may have had something to do with your dietary changes. Now, some of the information that you have might not be totally correct, like fruits and vegetables. No cholesterol in that, so you can eat as much of that. In fact, that's good for you. Cholesterol is a product of uh, of animals, so it's uh, you know it's something like a, like a chicken. Chicken, yeah, just about any animal. And and the more we eat a lot of chicken and fruits and vegetables, you know, yeah. dinner usually yes, we yeah. have a different kind of chicken and then fruits or veggies from our garden. And I figured I was eating so much of that. Yeah, it's probably and, not the uh, it's probably not the fruits or vegetables. What about, what about in like a cow? Yep. So that so particularly red meat has a lot more than say chicken or fish, and the so way like red red colored animals that have cholesterol. Yep. Like cow, pork, uh, you know all those you know well, beef, pork. I ain't, I ain't never seen too many red cows. Uh, the color doesn't ma- matter. It's just the the type of meat. So if it's beef or it's pork, that, those things can you know can certainly uh, affect you. Well, but hey, I, did you see that football game? Which one? Football. Ah, uh, we're gonna. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to plead the fifth on that one. But uh, John, thanks for calling. So uh, yeah, cholesterol. It it can affect uh, you know just about everything. Certainly, the risk is uh, heart attack and stroke with that. And you can you can change some of that with what you eat. So as John was saying. You know, trying to eat more grains, uh, whether that's, you know, in a cereal, you have to watch out for sugar content for other reasons there. But uh, fruits and vegetables, can't eat too many of those. If you eat meat, eat something that swims or flies. If you cook it, uh, make sure that it's grilled or uh, baked rather than fried. Those are some good adages, really just about for anything. Um, And you can't go wrong with that. And certainly staying active can sometimes modulate that, too. An awful lot of cholesterol problems, though, you can inherit that. So if your parents have that, and there's different types. So it's not just, okay, my cholesterol is elevated. Can I blame that on my parents? There's there's certain types that are much, much more, you know, higher levels of cholesterol. And generally speaking, you know, that's that LDL. If it's greater than 190, then it's probably going to be... it's probably going to be something that's that's uh, more inheritable than something that's not. So, um, 
anyway, you, you, that's that's uh, some of those other things. John was uh, I'm not sure where he was going with the football comment, but uh, um, certainly uh, hats off to him for changing some of those things um, about what he was eating. Back to the I.O. Oh, if you have a question or comment, you can reach us this morning. We still got some time for anything that you are interested in uh, or that are, is affecting you. You can call us at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to remedy at mpbonline dot org. What about other stuff with the eye? So we talked about the red eye. We talked about some things around the eye. Um, there are some things that you have to watch out for, particularly with sun exposure. So, uh, you know, cancerous lesions around the face, just because our faces see a lot of sunlight and, uh, the eyelids are one of those areas where you can have that. Now, one that's common, uh, that, uh, that, you know, well, it's, I should say it's one of the more common malignant lesions of the eyelid is a basal cell carcinoma. So uh, basal cell is one that can be invasive into the tissues down um, deeper underneath the skin. The, the right at the margin of the eyelid is one of the places that you can uh, you can see that. Um, but it's it is a raised sort of hard lesion. Sometimes it can be a discoloration there. It can present in several different ways. The main thing uh, that you need to, to be aware of is if you have that that um, if you have a lot of sun damage and then you get um, you know you, you have a change on that surface of the eyelid, uh, you need to you get a dermatologist looking at that or at least your your primary care physician. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we got uh, two callers that have been very patient and waiting. We're going to go to Richard first when we come back. You can reach us this morning by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. We'll be right back after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy here with you this morning on this hot, hot summer day in Mississippi and in the South. Hope you're staying cool. Uh, another thing to keep in mind if you're outside is don't get outside when it's at the hottest portion of the day. That's midday um, for everybody. You know, if you can postpone those times till later in the day or early in the morning uh, to get up and get around outside, uh, that'd be the smartest thing to do. But uh, stay safe out there. Let's go to Richard, uh, who's been patiently waiting. Thanks, Richard, for calling. Hello. Um, I've got a question. Uh, about five years ago, I had um, cataract surgery. Uh-huh. And um, 
both my eyes were kind of blurry after that. Um, and they lasered them. Yep. Both eyes. But now, just my left eye is blurry. I was wondering if it could be lasered again and cleared up. Yeah, my understanding, and this is this is getting in the um, in the realm of the ophthalmologist, so super specialized there. Um, but that is a common thing. After you've had cataract surgery, you'll have to go back and what they call laser polish the surface yeah. of that. So you can have a, a regrowth, an abnormal regrowth of cells on the surface of that, uh, of the lens, so uh, of your eye. So you you need to, you know, they can they can redo that. And even if you've just had it once or twice, I, my understanding is there's a, I think there's a limit per year. I can't remember offhand about what that is. But uh, I think you can do it about every, you know, two or three times a year that they can just go through and just sort of polish that surface off with a laser. It's safe. It sounds, you know, people are like, they're burning my eye off. But it's actually, that can actually increase uh, the acuity of your vision and actually make it a little bit less blurry. Sounds like that's what's going on, but you want them to look at it because sometimes it can be other things going on with that eye. But um, yeah, going back to that, to your eye doctor, whoever did the surgery, uh, you know, for the cataracts is is a important thing. Okay, but it can be done more than once. Yeah, my understanding is it can be done more than once, so it's not just a one time deal. Okay, well, that was my question. You answered it. Uh, All right. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Richard, for calling. We appreciate your uh, your call about that. Um, yeah, the eyes are and it's so important. Some people can sort of say, you know what, I'll just sort of have decreased vision. If you ever talk to anybody who's had, in particular, cataract surgery, where it it's progressive over time, it's not something that's just going to develop all at once. And because of that, it's sort of like you know, uh, I can't remember if it was Mark Twain or somebody before that. Like the best way to, you know, to to boil a frog is you put it in a in a pot of water and you can slowly turn up the temperature and they don't notice what's going on until they're cooked. Uh, same thing with um, with our eyes is it can be so slow that you get those deposits and calcifications in the middle of the the lens that you don't notice it until the you know to the the thing that people complain about is either things are um, you know so blurry that they can't do what they need to do or driving is pretty much the thing that really limits them. But then when you have it done, if you talk to people who've had that done, it is amazing. Like they, it, It's like suddenly they can see the world and colors are more vibrant, their acuity is better. Uh, but you do have some things, particularly with the surgeries we have now, are so successful, very few comp- complications. You do have complications with everything, I understand that. But um, the, you can do these kinds of things like polishing it off with a laser uh, and uh, all kinds of cool stuff that they can do now to help preserve that vision. That's one of the main complications of health-related problems, particularly accidents among the elderly, is poor vision. Um, all right, we're going to go to, this is a caller. He wants to remain, remain anonymous. Good morning. Good thank, morning. Thank you for calling. Yes. Do you have a question or comment? I do about high cholesterol. Yes, ma'am. And it was on there earlier about the different things your eyes can tell you about high cholesterol. Right. Now, my LDL runs high. Yep. So medication cures that or a change of diet. It can be both. It can be both. It's like a lot of other things. You know, like if, if you had high blood pressure, sometimes changing your what you eat 
uh, or exercise or other things can can decrease the blood pressure, or it might be medication, or it might be a combination of both. So it's it, there's not really a test to say, well, it was the blood pressure medication. I'm mean, sorry, the cholesterol medication that did it, or it was changing your diet. Uh, it's probably both, and that's why we say that. Um, now, a lot of people ask the question, well, can I? is this cholesterol medication something I'm going to have to take for the rest of my life? And you have to understand the whole reason for the cholesterol medication. So getting the cholesterol down is part of it, So the, the particularly the LDL that you mentioned, uh, because that's, okay. that's the biggest risk factor of heart attack and stroke. But that's the main thing that we're trying to prevent. We're trying to lower your risk of heart attack and stroke. And that cholesterol medication is particularly good at doing that. So if you get off of it, you lose that protective effect. Now, some people make dramatic changes in what they eat or their physical activity, and they are, they are able to, you know, under the supervision of a physician, are able to not have to take that cholesterol medication. But I would, you know, if you have other problems, your risk is so high. Like, for instance, if you had high blood pressure, even if it's treated appropriately, if you had diabetes, if you were older, your chance of having a heart attack or stroke are pretty high. And depending on what level of cholesterol that you have, it's really about your total risk. And there's some good equations that we can just plug that information in and say, hey, your risk is 20% for the next 10 years, which would be very high. You probably need to be on a cholesterol medication at that point, even if your cholesterol came down with, uh, you know, with changes in your diet. But, yeah, it, it could be both. It could be both that did that. Okay. Now, are you subject to another question? Oh, sure. We got about maybe a couple of minutes. Okay. What about dry? What causes dry eye? Yeah, dry eyes. Uh, normally, it's a it's a loss of lubrication. So your eyes produce those tears, and if they're not producing as much of that, the cells that are that are uh, you know in charge of producing that lubricant on the eyes, that's usually what causes it. Now, if you're outside a lot, the sunlight can actually damage the eyes and cause that. We didn't talk about other things you can have on your eye. There's waxy buildups on the on the white surface of the eye called a pinguecula. Uh, there's things called a pterygium that can actually affect your eyesight if it's not taken care of. If you're out in dusty conditions outside, even if, if you're not that way now, if you were you know younger and that you experienced that, uh, there's you know saline eye drops, and then there's some other things that actually stimulate those cells to help pr- produce some of that lubricant. Uh, Restasis is one of the a name of one of those. So there's there's a couple of different things that you can do for that. Uh, not having air blowing into your eye. You know, a lot of people, if they're driving a lot, they'll have the air conditioner on and their eyes will be watering. Uh, all that can dry, sort of overcome your your uh, your eye's ability to, uh, to lubricate itself. But it is common as you get older. It's just one of those things, you know, the body sort of wears out from time to time in different areas. And uh, those cells that normally hydrate the eye is one are one of those areas. So, um, but that's that's a common thing, and it can be you know it's a bit of a hassle maybe putting some of those drops in the eye to help lubricate it. But that's probably the easiest thing and the safest thing to do for it. Uh, there's not, to my knowledge, at least, there's not any kind of surgical reasons for you know or or anything else that they can do in some rare cases it can be associated with other systemic diseases like autoimmune diseases uh so if you have say dry eyes and dry mouth at the same time maybe some 
inflammatory joint uh, uh, findings on exam. Your doctor may want to go a little bit further with that, but um, generally speaking, that's just sort of the wear and tear on the eyes over time. All right, we do thank everybody for calling and great calls from all over today. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from you, our listeners. Today's show was engineered by Kevin Farrell. Our call screener was Michelle McAdoo. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. You can join us next Wednesday at 11 for Southern Remedy. And stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio. Radio.